Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Before we get started, support for this podcast comes from Boost with Facebook, whose podcast, Boost My Business with David Fisher, features unique perspectives and insight from business leaders and small business owners. Hear stories and anecdotes about businesses just like yours. Gain insight on what it takes to grow a business and learn from both the mistakes and triumphs of others. Download Boost My Business wherever you get your podcasts. That's Boost My Business Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined by McKenna Kelly, here to talk all things gymnastics. We've got a great episode for you today, as always. We've got a couple storylines from both college gymnastics and elite gymnastics. We're going to recap our meet of the week, which was Michigan versus New Hampshire. Talk all about the number five team by the end of season, Michigan. And then we have a very appropriate guest. Once again, another head coach joining us today. Bev Plocky will be joining us to also talk about this Michigan team. So it's going to be a great episode. Fun fact, a little behind the scenes, McKenna and I usually record in the afternoons and just with schedule things, we had to record in the morning today. And I, for one, am not really a morning person. So I'm trying to bring the energy right now. I worked out before this. So I think that helped. Oh, yeah. um, Are you, are you typically, I feel like most athletes get used to like being up and active in the morning. Are you like that? Definitely a morning person. Um, I'm okay. really bed yeah. early. I'm not one of those people who can like thrive off no sleep. Oh my gosh, absolutely yeah. not. Like if, even <laughs> if I'm studying and it's like 11 o'clock rolls around, I'm like, oh, I got to go to bed. I'll wake up early and study. But yeah, I definitely oh. am a morning person. <laughs> I I don't know if I'm necessarily like a night owl either, but I'm definitely not a morning person <laughs> working in television. Like I've worked many a, a you know, long sure. game that goes into the night. So mornings and I are, you know, not best friends, but <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. So, all right. Let's dive on in to these stories today. There is a new D1 gymnastics program launching. I am so excited about this one. Any new program that launches is just a step in the right direction for this sport. So this is great news for everybody. Long Island University is launching their gymnastics program, and they have announced their first head coach, which is Randy Lane. Now, this guy has over... 25 years of coaching experience, and it is very reputable. He began his career as an assistant coach at UCLA before earning his first head coaching job at UC Santa Barbara in the 90s. And then he went back to UCLA to be an assistant again. Then he had a four-year stint as an assistant coach at Florida, which led to four consecutive NCAA appearances and an abundance of All-Americans. We all know to expect that from the Gators. He then went on to be an associate head coach at Michigan State for five years. And in his most recent stretch, he was the associate head coach for eight years at UCLA, once again, alongside legendary head coach Val Condosfield. I mean, this guy, I just think, has been molded by some of the best, and he's been around programs that know how to attain success. So I think this is a great get for a newly started program. Absolutely. And actually, this edition, um, I don't know if y'all remember me talking at the very beginning of our podcast. Um, I work for CGGI, so College Gymnastics Growth Initiative, and our efforts mm-hmm. are actually what led to LIU adding their program. So it's been really cool to see 
Um, one, like our efforts pay off and Randy was like the ringleader of CGGI and um, he's worked oh, wow. so hard. Yeah, he's worked so hard and so tire- tirelessly um, to put this together. And I mean, this is essentially our goal, right, is to to grow the collegiate sport, hence the acronym CGGI. But um, yeah, it's, it is so, so exciting. Um, I know us ambassadors on CGGI are, are thrilled and, and um, it's been cool to, you know, be on the backside of things and still give back to the sport and see the way that um, it's still growing. And th- this sport deserves it. Gymnast deserves it. There's not enough opportunity um, for gymnasts that sacrifice so much their whole lives. Um, and Randy, I've had the absolute most incredible opportunity of working with him, obviously. And um, he is just, first of all, he's someone everyone needs to know. Everyone needs a Randy Lane in their life. He's so kind. He's so down to earth. He's he, But he's very good in, in what he does. He's very passionate about it. That really drives um, how he does things and, and how he goes about his, his work. And um, he's going to do fantastic things. I can't believe he's making a move from um, California to New York. That's going to be quite a change, but he's going <laughs> to handle it seamlessly as he's obviously, um, you know, moved around and adapted throughout his coaching career. But he is such a phenomenal human, and I'm so excited to see um, the footprint he leaves in the culture he establishes at LIU. That's super exciting. And I feel like you need somebody like that, somebody who is gung-ho about the growth of this sport to to take an opportunity like this. Not only are you starting a gymnastics program from literally ground zero, like you're not inheriting anything. You are starting it. But you're also starting it at potentially the weirdest time in history. We are in the middle of a global pandemic and everyone is at home. This has to be affecting recruiting. You're already trying to get athletes to want to be a part of a beginning instead Mm -hmm. of jumping into an already established program. And now you're adding in the obstacles associated with what's going on around the world right now. So I I just think that this is definitely going to have its challenges, but it sounds like he's the right guy for the job. So definitely exciting and pending, you know, any other setbacks that this pandemic adds. LIU is slated to begin competition this winter as a member of the East Atlantic Gymnastics League, which consists of seven D1 universities in the Mid-Atlantic region of the United States. So that includes George Washington University, North Carolina State University, Towson University, New Hampshire, University of North Carolina, and University of Pittsburgh. So really a, a great conference and competition for them to be around and and to kind of start their competition with. So I'm super excited for them and and excited for Randy and be able to see kind of what he does in the landscape of NCAA. So excellent news all around. Well, let's move into something a little bit heavier, but (laughs) uh, (laughs) important nonetheless. So of course, we've reported in weeks past about the... um, suspension of of Maggie Haney and the upcoming panel and decision in regards to her coaching future after multiple reports had been filed against her. The official decision has been made and she has been suspended eight years by USA Gymnastics. Former U.S. Olympic and national team coach Maggie Haney was suspended by USA Gymnastics 
for eight years after a three-person panel found she had repeatedly emotionally and verbally abused young athletes. The ruling followed two months of hearings in which Olympic gold medalist Laurie Hernandez testified against wow. her longtime coach and world champion Riley McCusker wrote a letter critical of Haney to the hearing panel. The suspension comes nearly four years after Hernandez first filed a complaint against Haney with a top USA gymnastics official and marks a dramatic fall from grace for one of the international sports brightest coaching stars. Ooh. Yeah, this is heavy. Yeah, this is this is really heavy. Obviously, my first thought is the gymnasts. Um, I think of Riley. I think of obviously Lori. I think of Jasmine Foberg. I think of um, Ariana Agrippides and all of the the high level successful elites that have been produced at MG Elite. Um, but it also makes me, to an extent, happy for Riley that she's been able to move on and at least start her gymnastics career somewhere else. And I say to an extent because she's obviously there's baggage and there's damage that's been done to her. Yeah. So you know, I can I say that out of um, remorse for her because I know she's she's moved on and that's so great and she started a new beginning. But I think about you know all the emotional abuse and. Um, the scars that are left on her and, and hopefully, you know, right. it's environment. I would imagine if she's working with her dad, it's, it's hopefully a little bit healthier. Um, and, um, I, I hope, I just, I hope she's doing okay. And, and Lori too, especially for her to be, um, you know, trying to, to come back into the sport and she's obviously in gym max in, in California and she seems like she's happy and doing well, but we also know Lori is the human emoji and she's always been super bubbly. So it's kind of, it's kind of scary to see how well gymnasts can put on a face um, knowing what's really yeah. going on behind closed doors. So I just, I hope the best for those girls and um, boy, I mean, eight years almost doesn't seem like it's enough to me. I feel like it's like, just take it all away. But I, I also think, right. um, you know, when you, it, first of all, if you are a coach, now that I'm a coach, I understand how much um, weight comes with that. You are you are molding a young child's mind. You are making them believe in themselves. I mean, you're essentially spending more time with them than your parents. Um, you are probably the most influential person they have. Um, and your job, you're, you are responsible for them. You're responsible for them emotionally, obviously physically in our sport and mentally, especially. Um, and for her to abuse that is, um, you don't, you don't deserve that. You don't deserve that position. You don't deserve that right to, to step in and, um, and take an athlete somewhere. If, if you can't handle that, that's completely inappropriate. Um, but again, I, I don't, I feel like we should just take it indefinitely, but I do feel like, you know, eight years, honestly though, who would want to come back and train for her knowing her, her history, but also, you know, the human side of things, like hopefully she learns from this and is able to, you yeah. know, get her, get her ish together and, and move on. But, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's a lot. It is a lot. And like you said, it's just very heavy. Well, and I, I agree with you. I think that stigma around the name Maggie Haney, you can't replace that. You can't really override that. I think if she did opt to come back in some capacity, she would have a lot to overcome. But I want to go back to the point you were making about coaches, because I literally couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's really the, fo or should be the focal point of this, because I think there's, there are a lot of different variations. We've talked about this before of what makes a good coach. And honestly, it's not a one size fits all mm -hmm. method yep. because you have to adapt to the type of athlete, the type of personality, but even obviously your experience being, you know, on the athlete side now in a coaching role and even me being a reporter and, and hearing the stories of athletes and coaches, like coaches have 
an immense responsibility that goes beyond teaching the sport. Coaches mold people and gymnastics coaches should be held to one of the highest standards for two reasons. One, gymnasts begin this path at such a young age. You are spending, like you said, as much, if not more time with your coach than your own parents. And it's during your most transformative and impressionable years. And two, gymnastics is focused on the individual attempting to attain perfection. That is a very risky focus to set a young girl's sights on. You have to create an environment that handles that with sensitivity and and realism so that it doesn't transfer into every other aspect of their lives. You are setting these young girls up to not just fear imperfection, but expect abuse if they don't get it. Right. Wow. I didn't even think of that. Um, I mean, I, I am so fortunate to say, I feel like this is a rare thing just considering, um, you know, how many things have been coming into the light about people's gymnastics career, but I can, thankfully say that I had quite an incredible, um, like JO experience. I mean, sure. Coaches can be tough and sure. Things are said sometimes, but I also, it, it might help with my personality. I'm not quite sure, but I had a fabulous experience, um, really my whole gymnastics career. And then onto college, it, it, I had a great time there too. Um, I just feel like that's so rare these days. Um, but like you said, the coaching, technique of, of being able to adapt to each athlete is so key. It is so important. As a coach, you have to realize, okay, you know what? This doesn't work for her. This doesn't kind of light that fire underneath her. How can I healthily, I think that's the biggest key word, um, how can I healthily, you know, approach this and, and allow her to be the best athlete that she she can be? Um, but expecting abuse coming from things, that is that is so true. And, and like, I mean, I'm on the other side of gymnastics now. Right. And so I, I still remember some things that have been said to me that carry through with me. I don't necessarily believe them, but they're, they're there. They've scarred me and I don't not think twice about things. And it's hard in real life to, to realize like, I don't have to try to be perfect anymore. And I don't have, you know, um, certain standards to withhold. Like I'm a, I'm a human, I'm a 23 year old human girl. Like I am young and I am learning that gymnastics isn't everything. Um, but I mean, again, at the same time, so many lessons are taught to you in gymnastics, but if they aren't taught to you right and correctly and kind of out of love from the coaching standpoint, that is 100% going to affect you in the rest of your life. I agree. And I think this is also a sign of kind of the remnants of an era of the sport that we're still Mm -hmm. trying to get out of. You Mm -hmm. know, this is somebody who, you know, kind of rose to their coaching prominence during, you know, kind of the Caroli era, which was a little bit more geared toward intensity and uh, just a little more aggressive and stoic. And I think that's obviously the U.S. has become accustomed to a, a very world-renowned, successful gymnastics program. So you get to a point where you're like, okay, well, this method of coaching seems to be working. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's where even parents get confused because as you know, the parent of this athlete, you're going, okay, I want them to have the best opportunity to succeed. And apparently these coaches know how to get her there and I want her to achieve her dream, but it's got to be such a confusing place to be because if I'm that parent, 
I'm sitting there going, I don't know how to coach her to the Olympics. Like I, I have to put her around the people that can get her there and have that proven resume. And honestly, it's it's a blessing and a curse when you get those accolades because some people will abuse that power. And I think we've seen that. And this is an example of it. So true. You know, it makes me think that kind of the tactic that these emotional, verbal, abusive coaches use is if I can keep my athlete small. And what I mean by that is like mentally, if I can keep her to where she doesn't feel Mm. good enough about herself, she's not going to tell her parents anything, which is why parents are sometimes just kind of left in the dark. They weren't aware because the child isn't speaking up. And one, because Mm. the child's sitting here thinking, well, it works. Like I've been successful. I've made the national team. I was able to go on X, Y, and Z assignments. So, you know, maybe I'm being dramatic. Maybe my coach is right. Like there's so much brainwashing that goes along with this. I feel like a lot of people who haven't been in these shoes or haven't been around people dealing with this um, are quick to judge and are quick to say, well, they should have spoken up or, you know, this should be handled this way and that way. But it's like there is so much manipulation and so much abuse mm-hmm. that truly goes along with it that the athlete is so confused. Laurie Hernandez did put out a statement. If anyone's interested, she posted it on Instagram. She tweeted the link. It's very lengthy, so I'm not going to read the entire thing. But she did mention that she did tell her parents and her mom called Maggie. And apparently the next day at practice, Maggie was horrible to Laurie. And so that's another reason she was operating out of fear. Exactly. So it wasn't even, she did know it wasn't right. And she knew she needed to tell somebody, but telling somebody got her punished more. Exactly. That is a very dangerous culture to create for these athletes. But part of her statement that I thought was interesting was Um, this was the biggest reason why my comeback was so late. I thought I hated gymnastics and it wasn't until mid 2018. I realized that it was the people that made the experience bad, not the sport itself. Wow. I have chills. Right. And I just like, I wondered, I was like, why in the world was she like kind of MIA? It seemed like she was done, but she didn't retire. And then all of a sudden she like rises from the ashes and she's like, I'm going for Tokyo. And And at a different gym too. Yes. And I just feel like this girl had to have, the sport looked like it had chains around it to her. Yeah, And all of a sudden you're looking at the sport and those chains are gone. Of course you're going to try and go back. Wow. Honestly, I remember when she came back and was at Jim Max, like no one really knew why. No one, nothing was said. And Riley McCusker was the star at MG Elite now. So it was kind of confusing. Like, well, why would Lori be at a different gym when, you know, there's still success at MG Elite. It's not like only Lori and um, Jasmine at the time were the only ones that had been produced. Like, it looks like she's still able to make good athletes. And so I know that that for a while was up in the air. But I mean, with this all coming to light, it absolutely makes sense. And I'm so glad that both... Um, Riley and Lori are, are being able to find their love for this sport again. Right. In the environment that they deserve. Yes. I totally agree with you. And I think this also may serve as kind of an eye opener and a wake up call for all coaches to kind of reevaluate their tactics. At least this one is done. And like you said, these athletes who have been affected by it can hopefully move on in a better way. All righty. Wow. 
I feel like I got to load off my chest a little bit, not going to lie. Let's go ahead and dive into our Michigan recap. Once again, our meet of the week was Michigan versus New Hampshire. So we're going to take this thing event by event, rotation by rotation, talk about the lineups, the different skills, our perception on this team, and then we will get Coach Bev Plocky's input on it as well. So let's go ahead, McKenna, and we will start on vault. First of all, I want to point out, I thought this vault rotation was actually pretty good considering you Agreed. Know, the vault rotations we've seen um, and kind of like you've you've kind of stapled it, Taylor, um, you know, it has not been the year of the vault. And I, I could agree with that. And I, but I thought overall, this vault lineup did a better job, um, mm-hmm. of, first of all, landings. Um, but overall, I think they've been one of the better ones we've seen. So um, they start off with Abby High School, um, which I, honestly, you guys are going to, this is stupid, but um, in the um, broadcast, it sounded like they were saying high school, like Abby High School. So that's what I, <laughs> I was like laughing at myself. Anyway, um, yeah. I she had a fabulous full. I would have loved it yep. more amplitude, but the shape was great. There was no pike down. She was clean in the air and on the landing. Um, and, and so I was hoping, I was like, you know what, if they're starting this good, I, you know, I hope the lineup increases. She went nine, nine, um, when I thought was a very good score. She, that was a beautiful vault. Um, mm-hmm. we had Nicoletta Kulos who was up next. She had a very aggressive, very strong full. It was a bit piked down and crunchy on the table. And what I mean by that is she had some bent arms, which doesn't allow you to, um, set into your twist and flip quite the same. Um, she had a big step back. I thought maybe she's been working on an upgrade. And sometimes um, when you work on an extra half twist or maybe even a double, um, it can for sure affect um, kind of your easier skills because you have to relearn kind of how to tame those things. So I'm hoping maybe that was um, a watered down um, vault and she was upgrading it. Uh, we had Abby Brenner. Um, I wrote, I think maybe this might be a new vault for her. She looked a little nervous to me before she went, um, but I thought it was very good. She was very powerful um, and she had a pretty good landing and she went 9875. Sierra Brooks, um, Olivia and I were talking. I wrote an article for um, Flow Gymnastics um, and I asked Olivia, I said, okay, who who is like one of the standouts on the team? She said, Sierra Brooks, no if, ands, or yeah. buts. This kid is like <laughs> dynamite for them. She's so good. She had a huge... Um, one and a half, a little bit of knees and form at the end, but she was great. She went nine, nine and she's only a freshman. So it'll be super Crazy. exciting to watch her because as a freshman, if you're already in the mid pack of the lineup, that that's saying something. So, um, right. then we had Natalie Wojcik, um, her head was a little bit out on the one and a half. Um, but she's so great for that Michigan team. Uh, she had slight, sure. uh, leg separations onto the horse, um, she went nine eight seven five, but um, she's a beautiful gymnast. And then they finished off with Gabby Wilson, which holy smokes, that was so good. She had great amplitude. Her shape was nice. Her landing was good. Um, I, I wrote solid rap for the Wolverines. I think um, maybe Gabby, I, the the angle was kind of weird, right? It was from the backside of the table. So I think she maybe locked out her front leg um, into going into her Yurchenko, which so Going into the ground on that round, if you want to have bent knees, because obviously you're going to transfer your weight into the ground, but if you lock that knee out, that causes your weight to go backwards. And so you're pulling back and think oh. of yourself in almost kind of like a standing pike. So it's pulling your butt back. Um, and I think that that's maybe um, what happened with her because there was a the slightest under rotation. Um, but when you are a pro and you have done this vault or any skill or routine for quite some time, you, you can finesse it. Even if you have a mistake like that in the beginning, um, you're strong enough, you know what you're doing. Um, so I think that's kind of what happened with her. I'd love to go back and watch um, other vaults for her and see if maybe this is actually normal for her or what. But 
overall, they were consistent. Their form was good. Um, I, I thought they did really, really well. That is exactly the sentiment that I had. I have been just like very want-want about vault. And when I saw this lineup, I was like, yes, that is yeah. more like it. I, My biggest takeaway from this lineup, you said consistent, which I completely agree with. Um, but I, their form in the air, I really appreciated. Uh, pretty much all of them were flat bodies and no pike down. And I feel like you so often see that, especially the more Yurchenko foals that you have. Um, but they they did. They had more power and control. They need to tighten up some of the landings a little bit. But yeah. other than that, I was, I was really impressed with the form and the control that they had. They were very pretty in the air, but powerful. I, I was very impressed with this lineup. And this is, I noticed that this in every rotation, these are young lineups. Yes. You yes. got mostly freshmen and sophomores, yes. which like what a freaking benefit, especially given the fact that, you know, this season got cut so short, but a lot of these underclassmen got so much competition experience yes. and they will be taking that into next season. Yes. I, that's really promising for this team. All right, let's move on to bars. Sure. Um, so start off with Abby High School again. Um, I don't know about you, Taylor. I was absolutely blown away at their form. I, I Same. Mean, the Like, no, honestly, even more than Oklahoma, I think this was the cleanest bar lineup I may have ever seen. This was yeah. – I was so blown away. No leg separation, no flex feet, no bent – like, from anyone. It was – Yep. So impressive, which goes to show that this Michigan team really focuses on the details. Um, yes. Abby, she had incredible form. Um, I wrote she literally did not have one form reduction. I thought she could have been maybe a little bit more aggressive on her handstands, a little sharper, but she was beautiful. Um, Maggie O'Hara, another great routine with great form. I, I wrote so far, very impressed with this rotation. Um, a little bit of a head throw out on the dismount, um, which kind of caused that whip action in it to flip downward instead of up. Um, but other than that, very good. Then we had the other Abby, Abby Brenner, very solid routine. Um, her dismount I wrote was a little wonky. It was just a little off. Um, but I feel like so far it's been pretty consistent. Everyone's had really good form. Um, but I do feel like a lot of their dismounts needed work overall. Um, let's see, Sierra Brooks, a freshman, I put a freshman so far in the lineup. She, Taylor, she had your favorite dismount. Um, I know. So, I love that. Oh, no, I literally wrote your favorite, Taylor. Um, so, hard to smell. so good. Um, I wrote the squad is super clean, cleanest bar lineup we've studied. No doubt. Um, Galvin yeah. Wilson, great routine, a few shape changes here and there, but solid and made it through with cleanliness. Um, I, then I, this is where I wrote all of their dismounts kind of seemed like they needed to work on technique. Um, but mm -hmm. if, you know, if they can get that, I mean, dude, they are going to be hard to compete with. Um, Natalie, I wrote drooling. She's such a stunning gymnast. She had a huge delt up and I was so happy to see, um, a change in their skill because it, from, you know, up until this point, it was pretty consistent of the same routine over and over again. So it was cool to see kind of a unique, um, change up there. And, um, she also had the best dismount of the rotation, no doubt. Um, but overall I was like blown away at their, at their form. It was so impressive. Yep. I literally had the exact same takeaways. My note at the bottom was this team knows technique and yeah. execution and they don't compromise power to do that. Yeah. I just would like to see different variation yes. because by literally Abby, Maggie, and Abby, Abby High School, Maggie O'Hara, Abby Brenner, the first three routines, I literally thought I watched the same routine three I times. Yeah. Other than uh, maybe the, the dismount 
but then when we got to Sierra Brooks, she had a piked release. Uh, she had the full twisting layout dismount. So it, it got a little bit more variety, but yeah. honestly, like you, you have mastered the technique with this lineup from the toe point to, I remember Kathy Johnson Clark always stressed this to me when we were on the road, a, a swing in a bar routine, sh- you shouldn't think that the athlete is struggling to get around. Yeah. And I, this team looked like it was easy for them to swing bars. Very and much. I think that that is a great testament to just like the technique and the foundation that they all have on this event. I would just like to see them mix it up a little bit, add a little bit more variation and skills. Uh, but I was incredibly impressed once again with this. And What's interesting about this to me, and I felt like this even on the next two events, so spoiler alert, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> I I felt like this team was a top five team on all four events. Agreed. Agreed. Remember when we were watching Utah and we were like, they're fire on bars and beam, but meh on vault and yes. floor. Yes. Like Michigan to me was top five team across the board. Yeah. That's fair to say. They're super consistent in their form. I mean, again, we've talked about this before in college, like it's all about execution, right? And so they're doing that. And so it leaves little yeah. room for deduction. And they're also bringing the difficulty, which is so impressive to do both. Right. Um, but moving on to Beam, we had Lauren Farley. I loved her dance. I thought it was super sharp and intense. Um, form a little bit on her series there, but um, I, we saw mm-hmm. a lot of triple series um, in this lineup. And I was, again, so impressed. Um, she also did a one and a half turn, which was definitely unique. Um, really cool to mm-hmm. see. I wrote a little dumpy on her aerial to jump. And what I mean by that is there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a pop to it. There wasn't an amplitude. She just kind of like dumped her shoulder down and it kind of made the aerial go downward. Very solid dismount though. Okay. Maggie for me, I don't know about your broadcast, but this totally cut nope. out for me. It I don't cut off. Me I too. don't know what the heck happened. So um, I'm sure she did great because they had a great beam score. So good job, Maggie. She um, had a nine eight seven five. So. Yeah, that's that's super solid. So I'm I'm sure that that was that was good. Um, yeah. Then we went on to Sierra, another great triple series. I wrote she seems a little nervous and rushed. Um, her front toss was oh my god, absolutely perfect. Okay, and then I went back on my note when I said she seemed a little nervous and rushed. Well, no kidding. She had a double back dismount. Yeah, what? Hello. I would have been nervous about that the whole time too. Like it made sense, but. I was so impressed. Um, And I hope she can keep up this difficulty throughout her career. I know sometimes it's easy as a freshman to keep your difficulty. Your body hasn't caught up with you just quite yet. Um, And considering her her season was cut a little short, maybe that's extra rest time. But anyway, so far I've loved her difficulty um, on everything. Uh, Lexi Funk, I wrote four month series, but she had a super impressive switch side half. Um, that is a very hard skill to do. And she also had a popa, which is a standing straddle jump full. Um, and that that is also super hard to do, especially on the beam. Um, I, and she had a really, really good dismount. Lexi was extremely good on beam. Very good um, middle of the pack for them, especially on this event. Um, Natalie, she was actually, I wrote this, she's actually a national champion on beam. Um, she won that as a freshman, which is nuts. Nice. Um, and I believe that year... Michigan didn't make it to um, the either either to NCAs at all, or um, they didn't make it to the first or the second round. I, I don't quite remember, um, but I know Natalie was there by herself. I think um, and to win that as a freshman is just so impressive. Um, I wrote another mm-hmm. solid triple series, um, and she was just really really good. 
And then, of course, they they capped off with Abby High School, which was interesting to me that she's been leading off and now she ended. Um, cool. Uh, we've talked about this, I think, with maybe was it Olivia Troutman or was it someone else that um, they were able to start it off? And then, they, oh, no, it was Abby Paulson, I believe, right? Um, she capped it off too. And so for you to be able to be a starter and a finisher is impressive. Um, Mm -hmm. and then they exhibitioned Abby Brenner. I thought it was a great exhibition. I'm excited to see her gain the confidence and experience, um, and compete, um, be able to compete in the lineup. Um, I'm always for exhibitions. I think it's so important to get yourself out there and, um, you know, try it and do the best you can. Um, it, it opens the door for more options and more depth. So, um, if you can get yourself out there and it looks like they took advantage of that, then that's awesome. Yeah. I, I really liked this, this beam lineup. I, I don't, it, for me, the order of the lineup wasn't necessarily my favorite. I, to me, Sierra Brooks is an anchor routine and I understand that you try different variations of it. You want to build your scores, but this didn't build. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Abby being in the, she got nine, eight, two, five. Honestly, I thought Sierra's nine, nine was a little low, sure. but I think had she been a little later in the lineup, they would have, cause Lexi Funk then got a nine, nine, two, five. And I thought Sierra's was better than Lexi. Mm-hmm. I think that was uh, a more sign of the scores leading um, because Sierra literally had a beautiful triple series, back to back switch leaps, a front toss, and a double back dismount. Like yeah. that is a jam packed routine that For she sure. did very, very, very well. I think you build to a routine that has that much difficulty. I agree. I, I definitely agree with the way that they, I guess they really didn't build. I think they kind of all showed up with a lot of difficulty, but yeah, usually they do build and um, the difficulty gets more intense throughout the lineup, but that, that's a really good point. But moving on to floor, we have Nicoletta Kulos. Um, I thought she was a super fabulous and sassy dancer. I loved watching her perform. I thought honestly, overall, this Michigan team was very entertaining to watch. Um, I thought they did a really good job performing. They had like facial expressions and I know that's very cheerleader ish. Um, but it's so important because I think back at the, the other teams we've watched that were like, I was just kind of bored. Um, it really does make all the difference and it's, it's super important that you're engaging the crowd and the judges. Um, and, and I think they did a really good job of that. I didn't, however, I didn't really like the structure of her routine. I thought there was a lot of dance at the beginning. Um, I mean, and I figured, okay, if she's dancing this much, she probably has two passes. Um, but I I just feel like we could have spread that out a little bit better, but I thought the dance was so good. Um, I thought her leap was, or she was a little bit funky on her second leap. Um, Mm -hmm. and then Lexi Funk, a great double tuck, really good landing, super cool choreography. I wrote, I wrote, I love this routine. Um, I thought the last pass was definitely iffy on her Rudy. It seems like she dropped her chest, um, a lot Mm -hmm. on that and, and it resulted in her piking down, but, um, I think, you know, get back in the gym and work on that a little bit. Maybe, maybe it was an endurance thing. Um, but that, that was a really great routine to watch. Um, Sierra, I wrote, she's a powerhouse. I can't wait to see the rest of her NCAA career. She's so, so good. Um, her second pass was also a little bit funky. I wrote, there were a few things I thought each gymnast did were a little bit off, just a little bit mm-hmm. funky. Honestly, I didn't really know what the other word to say was for that. Um, so a lot of funky is in my notes. Um, Abby Brenner, she needs tech work or tech work, technique work on the full in. Um, it, maybe it's a new pass and, and sometimes nerves get to you and you rush things a little bit. Um, I just thought that maybe she needs a little bit more technique work on that. Uh, but she had a pretty great landing, great second pass. And I thought she had the best leaps so far in the lineup. Um, then we had Gabby Wilson. Also something to notice as I'm, um, I guess going through these lineups, it seems like the lineup is exactly the same throughout. Maybe one gymnast Very similar. is interchangeable. 
Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily know how I feel about that in terms of um, I'm worried for them, or I would have been worried for them postseason, um, knowing that there, there's not a, it doesn't seem like they have a lot of depth. What they have is fabulous, but if you aren't mm-hmm. able to rest or kind of interchange your gymnasts, and of course we don't know that we watched one meet, maybe they did, but yeah. Um, that can that can definitely affect you, and um, especially these gymnasts, their bodies take a big toll. So it was interesting to me that there was not a lot of change. Um, but back to Wilson, Gabby Wilson, she had a huge open full in, super dynamic front pass, um, light under rotation on the last pass. Again, maybe it was a um, an endurance thing, but overall her routine was super powerful. Um, then we had Natalie. I wrote, not fair that she has e-tumbling and grace. Sarah Finnegan has. <laughs> um, she had a huge front handspring double to front pike. Um, she's just awesome. She's just so good. I, it's so impressive that she can do incredible hard e-tumbling passes and dance and be graceful. And it's just some of us barely got one. So just it's not fair. Um, so waiting for her to cap that off. And then I was this exhibition from Lauren Farley. Um, her, her dance was very unique. I thought her routine overall needed work, but I'm, I'm happy for her exhibitioning. And this is kind of my, my thought process in terms of, um, of, of her routine. And obviously, you know, watching it, it wasn't probably as successful as she had hoped, but sometimes you train so much in the gym, you train so much. And it seems like she has worked super, super hard, um, to, to one, be able to even get to exhibition this, you have to, you know, be doing your job in the gym. But, um, sometimes it really just takes, you know, we're just going to put you out there and see how you do. You've been doing the numbers. So we really just have to see how you do out there. Um, I really think that's kind of, um, kind of the take they took. I I wrote, sometimes you can practice so much and until you test it out, you aren't sure what your next step is. Um, and I feel like that was maybe the case here. Um, she she is someone that is very very good. I think um, with with more confidence and, and building on this exhibition and obviously going back into the gym and fixing those those errors that she had. I think um, hopefully she will be an option for them within the lineup. Yeah, I agree uh, with most of it. I actually disagree with you about the dance, and I think I'm really? maybe I'm a choreo snob. <laughs> like it's very possible for sure. sure. But I actually felt like several of the routines didn't seem to fit the athlete. Hmm. I, I just didn't get a sense that there was necessarily like a, a tie or like it was their sure. style. I I really didn't feel like – I felt like Lexi Funk, for example, there were a ton of moves in her choreo, which I do appreciate. You know, I have a problem with like lagging choreography yes. because it's basically a breather from one pass to the other. There was a ton – packed into it, but it almost just seemed like hit this motion, this motion, this motion, this, like there wasn't a performance factor. And I think that it's not that they can't or that they aren't trying. It just didn't seem to be their style necessarily. I don't know. It just seemed like there was a bit something lacking for me. But again, this is why, honestly, you and I are a good example right now of why there is like judging subject. I mean, like There is no perfect method to judging gymnastics because everyone's opinion is different. So like for me, I felt like I needed more performance value. I I felt like it was lacking a little bit. And then, yeah, like some of the, the leaps and the, like landings and things like that were not as tight as they needed to be. So floor was definitely where I was least impressed with Mm -hmm. this team. Um, But I still felt like it was, it was better than some of the floor lineups that we've seen. Sure. I I could see that. I I, I definitely see what you're saying. And, you know, from personal experience, it's definitely hard to to do a routine that one, you're not really comfortable doing, or it Mm -hmm. doesn't fit you. It's hard to like believe that you can do it well and perform it well. 
Um, but um, I, I definitely I see what you're saying. Um, honestly, though, overall, I, 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 I was very impressed by them. I think their form was outstanding. I think it's overall the best form from, from start to finish that we've seen so far, including Oklahoma. Um, I think even Oklahoma had some knees and feet a little bit in different places, mm-hmm. um, but they're Oklahoma. So they just finesse everything and it turns out super well. Um, but bar lineup stood out to me the most. I think, I think just, um, from what we've seen in this competition, um, it kind of thinks or makes me think that in their training, they do a lot of numbers and they focus on the details, which is important, but right. it's also definitely, um, a coaching style thing. A lot of coaches are, um, prefer to break things down and, and start, you know, from one thing to the other. But I feel like, um, just kind of watching them, it kind of made me think of LSU in, in itself. Um, we, I know we did a lot of numbers and we would focus on the details too. And I feel like we may compete, may have competed similar. I'm not, um, you know, I don't know if everyone would agree with that, but just from my own personal experience, I feel like, and from Olivia and I talking, like we, we both, um, know that we had incredible college experiences, but I think our, um, experiences were very similar to an extent, just different regionally. Um, but yeah. I, I, but like you said at the beginning, I do think they are a very young team and that's really the only thing that is keeping them from, from being really one of those top teams th- that's being talked about. Right. Um, but experience will help them so much. And I wrote, I think they are on the rise for sure. I do too, because I think this team has kind of a unique juxtaposition like usually with underclassmen you have this raw talent that needs to be fine-tuned throughout their career and the more they compete but to me this team seems fine-tuned even the freshmen they just need to kind of spruce it up and take that fine-tuned technique into some of the bigger skills the landings things like that and and then I think you're a you're a top three team not just a top five yep agreed Well, let's go ahead and talk to the woman who knows way more about this team than we do, head coach for Michigan, Bev Plocky. We are going to bring her right in, but of course, got to tell you guys about our awesome sponsor. We are still waiting out this quarantine. Well, some of you actually might be back to normal. Good for you. I am not. Uh, But while you're waiting this out at home or slowly getting back to normal, you can still be having some fun betting at betonline.ag. And even though we still don't have NBA, NHL, MLB, there are hundreds of places to wager, including their online casino with poker and blackjack. And you can also bet on things like esports, American Idol, the elections, and a $750,000 poker series. So plenty of fun to be had. All you have to do is go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive a welcome bonus on your first deposit. So again, go to betonline.ag, use the promo code MYPOD100. All right, everybody, Michigan fans, you are in for a treat. We are so excited to welcome in our guest today, Michigan head coach, Bev Plocky. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Glad to do it. Now, listen, I, I was reading up on your bio, and my goodness, the list of accolades that you have accumulated throughout your tenure. I mean, so much to be proud of and such a respectable career. 31 seasons. First of all, can you believe it's, all, it's been 31? Does it feel like it's been that long? <laughs> well, first, thank you very much. Um, 31 years, when you look at it, like that, it seems like an awfully long time. There are some times when I feel like 
Um, you know, I got here just a few years ago and sometimes when I do feel all 31 years of it, but, um, every year has been a joy and a different journey. And, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've just, I've cherished the whole, all 31 years. That's amazing. I, I mean, just to rattle off a few, 24 Big Ten championships, the most by any coach in any sport in Big Ten history. Let it throw that one out there. Uh, Six Big Ten regular season titles, 24 NCAA championship appearances, 10 NCAA Super Six berths. I mean, this has just become the expectation at Michigan. And it's so impressive what has been built at this program. And you've established that expectation, but it wasn't necessarily there when you took over. The year before you arrived, Michigan finished last in the Big Ten. So how have you kind of changed the culture over time to not just being competitive, but national championship contenders? Well, when I got to Michigan, I was very, very young, um, 21 years old. Uh, No, actually, 22 years old. And, um, you know, as you said, we were not a tremendously successful program. And so in some regards, it was a task. I wasn't stepping into somebody else's shoes that I had to live up to. So I just had this attitude that I'm going to try anything. And if it doesn't work, I will try something else. And really, the first thing that I did was just try to instill some structure and some and some discipline, some organization into our training and what we were doing, um, tried to instill good communication with our student athletes so they understood why we were doing what we were doing to try to get their buy-in. Um, you know, I look at, at all of those things as really the fundamental building blocks of our program. And, and, you know, the true test was I had an assistant coach very early in my career and he had gone on to be a head coach and, and came back much later in my career. And some of the student athletes were asking, you know, what was Bev like in, you know, 1991 or whatever it was. And he laughed and he said, you know, obviously we've all changed. We've all matured. Uh, you know, there's been some tweaking, but really the most important things are exactly the same as when I left. And I think that that is what's really important is the consistency and the core values that the program is built on and um, recruiting athletes that buy into what those core values are. We believe that, um, you know, if there's buy-in and we, and we work hard, but we're a family and we're united and whatever that um, that's where I believe that our success comes from. That is so huge. I know culture is different at every um, university and every program, but what would you say is probably the most important thing that you implement to your gymnast in terms of culture, in terms of that family um, kind of mindset? Well, just, you know, we try to, we're obviously a group of, and I know gymnastics is smaller in terms of a team, but if you have 15, you know, females between 18 and 22, uh, that's, that's a, that's a, a relatively decent sized group of women. And I think that sometimes what can destroy a team are the, the clicks and the in, you know, the infighting and things like that. And what we have really tried to get across is that uh, we want to accept everybody 
for their differences and appreciate their differences, but but find our commonalities and that common bond that brings us to practice every day. That um, and, and that common bond is typically gymnastics and our desire to want to win championships and the things that we need to do. And, and when people have that mindset, that that understanding that we're all different, we're not trying to create clones of each other um, to become a successful team. Uh, we have a lot of diversity. We have, you know, in personalities, in, in everything. And trying to accept that and, and be able to work together as a team. And, and I've often used the analogy that in your family, if you have sisters, I grew up as one of four, you know, um, females in my family. And there were times that we wanted to claw each other's eye, eyes out and <laughs> whatever. But if it came to out somebody from outside of our family coming in to challenge you know, you better believe that, you know, we were going to stand up for each other and fight for each other because we're sisters. And mm -hmm. so I think it's that sisterhood uh, that runs so much more deeply than just wanting to be friends. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And, and I think it certainly has has showcased itself in working as someone who has been involved and, and a head coach for 31 seasons. What have you seen change or evolve just in the landscape of college gymnastics and, and what it's become? Well, I have seen our popularity just explode. And with the addition of ESPN coming on board and doing our national championships, um, you know, expanding the coverage of women's gymnastics across the country. You know, a long time ago, I knew that, you know, we would talk about uh, the ratings for the Olympics and how women's gymnastics was the first sold out ticket um, other than the opening ceremonies. And so the popularity has always been there, but it is getting through to some of the head, you know, television executives and, and getting them to understand. I think our problem as a sport is that we don't have enough gymnastics alumni and people who understand, appreciate, and love the sport of gymnastics in those positions. Everywhere yeah. you go, the executives are, you know, football players or basketball players or, you know, even volleyball. We need to get more of our gymnastics alumni out and in some of those positions to help be in those meeting rooms when they're talking about, you know, the popularity. Um, you know, but I do think that that television and the expansion and the and the more visibility has created a whole different um, a whole different animal. We have for a very long time worked very hard at our competitions and collegiate women's gymnastics to put on a show, to make it entertaining, to make it an athletic competition where they can see the athleticism and the grace and the beauty and the and the down to half tense and quarter tense battles that we have between teams, but also the grace and the artistry um, and and, you know, and put on a show, make it entertaining for the sports fan. Right. That's, that's so true. And I, I know I've seen that just at my own experience, you know, it seems like the coaches and the marketing team are always working together to try to, you know, how can we create a better environment for the fans to be involved? And it so really does come down to, you know, are the fans interested? Are we doing what we need to do exposure wise and, and really create, like you were saying, something entertaining to watch. And I think gymnastics in itself is, but we really do have to sell it. Um, and that you make an excellent point um, with, you know, with having one of the longest tenures as a coach, 
even having one of the longest tenures, no one has experienced a pandemic that has led to a season shutdown. I know obviously that was heartbreak for, for your team, especially your seniors. But looking back to your season, talk to us a little bit about where you felt your strengths were as a team and maybe where your weaknesses were. You know, um, we felt like we were having one of our best seasons ever. I felt mm -hmm. like this was a really special team. Um, we had really special athletes that were that were giving 110 percent, um, a really great senior class that was helping to lead the way for us. And, um, you know, we, when when the, when everything was kind of shut down, we were ranked fifth in the country and we were positioned to go into what I think is the the payoff part of the season. We had done the work. Right. And we were getting ready to go to Big Tens and then regionals and nationals. And um, so much of it is in the mindset. And, and this team really had the right mindset in terms of confidence to go in there and compete and compete to be champions. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, it is it's it's extremely disappointing that um, that the season ended. We all understand that it was necessary and it was for, you know, the reason of saving lives across our country, not wanting to bring sporting fans together in, in venues and, and create the, the, um, the expansion of this terrible disease. But, you know, our team, I felt like our, our strengths were very much in our team in, in our fight. You know, the talent was, was incredible but you can have talent and not be competitive. I think the thing that sure. takes talent and makes it competitive is that belief in each other and the the, um, the mindset that you're going to go in there. And, you know, I was once told by a former football coach, Lloyd Carr, who I respect tremendously, that the def definition of confidence is uh, knowing the outcome before you begin. And I think wow. that our team this year epitomized that in terms of walking up to an event and knowing before you ever salute the judge that you're going to hit this routine. Um, it's just really concentrating on, am I going to stick the dismount? So that's the kind of team that I feel like we have this year. And it was disappointing that we weren't able to follow through and see where that could have taken us, you know, up, up to and through the national championship. That makes so much sense. Like we told you, McKenna and I just broke down the meet Michigan and New Hampshire, and, and we went through event by event, even athlete by athlete, and, and kind of gave a little analysis. And it just looked like this team was so fine-tuned, and there was there was a composure, but still a spark. And, and it just seemed like they really had something special. And so I totally resonate with, with what you're saying, and I love that philosophy of – you know, take talent and make it competitive. And honestly, that's even more impressive when you look at the youth that you had in these lineups this year. So many freshmen and sophomores competing at a very high level. So, you know, that's a silver lining in, in all of this craziness that's been happening and the fact that this season got cut short. You have so many underclassmen that will be there and now have a lot of competitive experience under their belt. What are your expectations and hopes for next season well we we are you're, you're right we were very driven by our underclassmen um, and excited also about the class that we have coming in for this next year but you know the I give so much credit to the senior leadership in terms of bringing in those freshmen under their wing because we have control of what's happening 
in the gym and training and that kind of a thing. But it takes the senior, the junior and senior leadership to bring those freshmen into the fold and teach them how to navigate college and college gymnastics and balance school, social work, social life, uh, school, social life, and the gym and, and, and make that all fit together in a way that we can still really have a very narrow focus. You know, I'm equally as proud of the fact that our team academic uh, GPA for this year was um, almost a 3.65. And that, that our, our, this second term was a three point over a 3.8. So I'm really, really proud of that academic and athletic balance. But the, you know, the, the, the junior senior leadership helping to bring, um, you know, teaching the freshmen, this is what it means to be a Michigan gymnast. And we're so looking forward to next year. I think that the hunger is definitely going to be there when we come back. We know um, what we're capable of doing and we want to try to pick up where we left off in, in terms of that, uh, in terms of that mindset. Well, I have full expectation that this group will do just that. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always such a joy to talk to you, and uh, we wish you the best of luck heading in to next season. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You, you too. too. All right, everybody, that does it for us this week on Chalk Talk. Little housekeeping announcement for our listeners, just because times are a little slow right now and there's not a ton to be talking about. McKenna and I have decided to go to a bi-weekly episode just for a short amount of time. This is not going to be forever, but just, you know, while we're in this quarantine, we want to give you guys good purposeful episodes and coming up with stuff every week has been kind of a challenge. So we are going to do every other week, um, maybe for like a month. We don't know, but Hang with us until things pick up a little bit, okay? So we will be back, not next week, but the next. So again, great reason for you to subscribe so you get a notification when we release an episode because we still will be bringing you all the gymnastics news and great guests. Uh, We're just going to do it bi-weekly for a little bit. So um, we will be back then, and our meet of the week is going to be Arkansas versus LSU. We are going to talk all about McKenna's alma mater. The LSU Tigers ended the season at number six. So everyone make sure you watch Arkansas versus LSU. That was on February 28th and it is on YouTube. So we will be back to talk all about LSU in a couple weeks. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.